So hold my hand, I walk with you, my dear. The stars creak as I sleep, it's keeping me awake. It's the house telling you to close your eyes. And some days I can't even trust myself. It's killing me to see you this way. Cause though the truth may vary, this ship will carry our bodies into shock. Good morning. How's everyone doing? He's... How's everyone doing? Good morning. Welcome to the morning show. Happy Monday. Hope you all had a fantastic, hope you all had a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic weekend. My name is Jimmy. This is my morning show. It's bite-sized bits of everything that I enjoy. Little American towns and their history. Baseball players and their story. Little some books, some music, some, did I get it all? Baseball? Good morning to Kyle, Josh, Abe, Sarge, SRJ, Norm, Real D, Davey, Jill, good morning, Seth, Sandra, Maldonado, Josh, don't forget the intro, Osborne, I nailed it already. Let's see, in Periscope, we got Babyface RG, we got Kyle, we got Hayden, McRaney, Brandon, got a lot of people, Henrique. Brandon Delgado, Nathan Donnelly. What's up, everyone? How's you doing? How you doing? We got, uh, I did some research on the random topics of the day last night, and they're, they're, they all are fruitful. A lot of stuff going on. So welcome to the morning show, coming to you live from the Roosevelt Studios here in the Bronx. That's R-S-V-L-T-S. What up? Just chugged my coffee. I'm out of coffee. Need more coffee. Jonathan in YouTube. Last night was awesome, right? It was. The days when the days when we're the last game of every series when we're watching together in the office uh, and going to go live on YouTube and Periscope, I think they're going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're two for two, having a lot of fun on those days. Hold on, hold up, I forgot. I got I got put my got put my nice clothes on. Okay, there we go. Now I'm ready to do the show. Looking spiffy, my nice new hat. Ooh, that was uh, of Monsters and Men, and I love that song, but I really don't know their whole catalog. I've never, like, uh, that first album I listened to, I saw them live once. That was cool at Newport Folk Festival. That was fun. Uh, Little Talks. They're cool. A lot of those Scandinavian-sounding bands are cool, like Passenger, of Monsters and Men, First Aid Kit, Tallest Man on Earth. I like a lot of the music that, that the the folk music that comes out of that area of the world. Anyway, we got John Boy and Jake TV today. I'm watching Baggage on the John Boy and Jake TV channel. Talking Yanks is out already. Series recap, that was a lot of fun. Talking Giants is out. Talking Knicks is out. As you can see on the graphic, there's a, a square underneath Talking Giants that I didn't spread out. I messed it up. Well, that's Talking Knicks. No, that's Talking Nets. Talking Knicks. Talking baseball comes up at 10 o'clock, so as soon as I'm done with this, I got to go study. Got to go do some homework so I don't sound like a big dum-dum on Talking Baseball. It's live at 10 for patrons recapping the series that were over the weekend. That's about it. All right, let's get straight into it because both the town and the player 
gave me a lot of cool stories and rabbit holes. So we're going to now, I hope I pronounced this right. I wrote down a pronunciation that I heard people say. Gallipolis, 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 Ohio. Gallipolis, Gallipolis, whatever. Something like that. I'm From here on out, I'm going to go with uh, Gallipolis, Gallipolis. So there you go. That's that. Uh, where's Wake and Jake? Jill, Wake and Jake will be on at 930 as always. I just don't have the graphic yet to put onto this screen. That's something I need to request. I've been meaning to request, but I but I, uh, I haven't asked for it yet. But, yeah, Wake and Jake will be out there. And then Wake and Jake needs the morning logo as well. So there you go. Uh, how short or long of a defensive leash does Andujar get? Yeah, I'm not going to do a lot of baseball talk on here because every other platform I talk about baseball – uh, four episodes of Talking Yanks a week, four episodes of Talking Baseball a week, five pregame shows of Talking Baseball, five pregame shows of Talking Yanks. So, like, current talk, baseball talk, probably you're not going to find that on this show a lot at all. We talk about a baseball player and their history. It's usually more historical and look a look back on a player than current talk. But, yeah, that's, that's um, 18 shows in a week where I talk about current baseball. So this is kind of an escape from that. It's just everything I want. Um Anduar is a big leash, though. That play doesn't mean shit yesterday. Uh, Gallipolis, Ohio. Gallipolis, Ohio. Boom. It's French. The French 500. This place this place was started because the French, a bunch of merchants and aristocrats and uh, artisans in France, the French Revolution was going on in the late 1700s. And they were like, dude, I don't want to live here. This sucks. So uh, France owned all this land out in the Northwest Territory. And uh, so the French went up the Ohio River. You know, they get they got sent there. They got they went to like uh, uh, New Orleans and then they went all the way up the Ohio River and they had this land that they named Gallipolis, which is two Greek words that mean new French or old French, something like that. But, yeah, it's a river town. You can see it's right on the Ohio River, pretty small. It actually got demoted. Its uh, nickname is the Old French City. Check this out. This town, Gallipolis, Ohio, uh, the population dropped below 5,000, and it lost its city status. Now it's just a village. How about that? Take that, Gallipolis. You don't even you're not even a town anymore. Just a village. Uh so the French ran French ran away from the revolution and they laid down here. And then I want to talk about something that I put in the title, but we'll just get there real quick because I thought this was interesting. When they got there, they found out that the French actually didn't like own that land. The Ohio company had an option to develop it, but they didn't really own it. And then when George Washington becomes president, he gives them the uh, French grant, which basically says, hey, you guys can stay here, uh, but you got to settle the land. You got to live on it for five years and farm it and cultivate it. And then once that five years up, you become owners of the land, which is kind of a cool deal, I guess, if not. But, but you know, it's American land now. You're allowed to stay. But you can't just be free loafing. You know, the French got to actually farm this shit. Help us out. Uh, settlers who chose to stay in Gallipolis had to pay again for their plots, this time to the Ohio company. Most of them just sold it and and, and left. They're like, fuck that. I don't want to work. I just want to sit around and do nothing. That's why we left France. 
So I thought that was interesting. They also didn't like the land at all, apparently. They wanted cities, and then they came to fucking Ohio, probably getting fought off and all that stuff. The crazy story of Ohio, of Gallipoli's Ohio, is there was a, a bridge collapse. And I have a lot of videos that I want to watch in it that I haven't watched yet. Also, Bob Evans, first ever Bob Evans restaurant was in Gallipoli's Ohio in 1948. Then it became crazy. So congrats to Bob. That's really good. And they have a state-run asylum for uh, epileptics people. And it was an insane asylum. And they just closed down this year. So that's crazy. I thought, I thought a lot of those got closed. But they had 52 epileptic people. It started in 1893. State-run asylum for epileptics. And it's still going today, but I believe they just said in 2020 it's being shut down. Anyway, where is the Silver Bridge? I want to find it on here. It's, I, don't, I guess it's not called the Silver Bridge. Silver Bridge Memorial Bridge. So this is it? Okay, so this bridge in the 60s, I believe, collapsed. And 48 people died, so I'll tell you that right away. It's a sad story. But bridges collapsing may be the scariest thing. Every time I drive over a bridge, I think, like, okay, if we go down, you got to crack the window so a little water can get in. I think I learned that on Mythbusters, and it just stuck with me. Bridge collapse is scary shit, man. So this this bridge right here, let's see, uh, connecting Gallipolis to Point Pleasant. Is this Point Pleasant? Uh... Well, this is Point Pleasant up here. So maybe the original bridge was where this train track looking thing is? Maybe. All right, ready? Let's find pictures of this thing. This is, oh, all right. This is a news art, uh, uh, like a news report. And I think they interview a dude who collapsed on the bridge in his hospital bed, which seems incredibly intrusive. Let's see. Okay, terrible audio thus far. What was the first thing that you saw? Well, I heard before I saw anything. I was standing right here in my kitchen preparing dinner, and my two boys came out the back door down the steps to get their bicycles. Look at that microphone's got no handle. They got down to the bottom of the steps here, and they started screaming. They, we heard this terrible boom, and my boys looked around and saw the bridge starting to fall. Well, as soon as I heard the sound, I, of course, ran out the back door to see what was wrong with the boys and what the noise was. And as rhyme. I got out my back door, of course, I could see what was happening. And I just, I stood right here and watched the whole bridge. What did the bridge look like? Well, it's like you could see part of them, yes, uh, from where I'm standing. But, of course, where the trees and things That's are, kinda I crazy. see too much. Look at this guy's outfit, classic. Oh, my Mr. God. Mr. Ellis, when was the first indication you had that everything oh was God. all wrong? Well, I came to myself after, I imagine it was after the truck came to rest at, on the shore there on the ground they was someone was trying to get me out that's all i can remember see i was in the sleeper were you asleep at the time the bridge fell for people that aren't watching and are just listening on the podcast app you don't you're coming in at a bad time looks like a good time a bridge collapsed and they're interviewing a survivor but like this is what he looks like like 1968 <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ. Oh, you're doing this segment again. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. It was. Random town and of the, the day. You never know where it's going to be. realized after the collapse. This dude just said he was asleep. The 
Metropolis, huh? Yeah, he was. A, he said he was asleep. The bridge collapsed, and he woke up on the shore, and they were fishing him out of his car. It was a terrible dream. See you guys in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I realized someone was either pulling me out of the truck cab or lifting me onto a stretcher or something like that. I was so addled, I was trying to figure out, but I couldn't. I believe they was lifting me onto a stretcher. What happened to the man who was driving the truck? Oh, uh, brutal question. Uh, he's just across the room here. He has a okay. broken back, and uh, I'm not sure, but maybe one or two, or both of his legs broke. Oh. The man who was in the truck with you, have you spoken to him since? Oh, yes, uh -huh. He uh, keeps him under sedation because he has quite a bit of pain. But he comes, too, and we talk a little bit occasionally. Ever have an accident like this or anything like this before? Not this. <laughs> Ever have an accident like this before? Come on, dude. The fucking bridge collapsed. Yeah, this is my second bridge collapsing, actually. The first one was much worse. Ah, uh, Jesus. I wonder if that gets interviewed today. I don't think so. Then I was watching this other video, and there's this lady. She was on the bridge. Going home from work, and a trim. They have a diorama here of, of her great escape. Trembling and of the bridge, and a, a noise that you couldn't, I couldn't even describe what the noise was like. But I realized that maybe something had hit the bridge, and I decided I wasn't going to cross it. So I threw the car in reverse, and as I was backing, the car stalled on me, but it kept going. And when I was able to get it stopped, the bridge had fell in front of me. How wild is that insert shot? Like, we, we couldn't picture backing off a bridge, but they're like, oh, show us what happened. And she takes a little, little toy car and backs it off the bridge. Wild, man. Crazy. So they rebuilt the bridge. They found... They did this whole diorama, if anyone's really interested. Maybe we have some engineers here who've studied this before. There was a uh, a bolt that collapsed. Or no, not a bolt. Something like that. One of the suspension things. And it broke in half. This video will show you. It broke in half. And then there was wiggle room. Okay, there it is. Opens up like a dinosaur egg being hatched. And then that breaks off. And then there's all this wiggle room here. So all of these things twist the thingy thingy. And then because it twisted it, it comes loose. And then, bam, now the whole bridge collapses. It wasn't made for the amount of weight because it was made real early for, like, walking in, like, a couple cars. And then cars got big. Welcome to the morning show. Bridge collapses, interviews with guys who fell off a bridge. Uh never know where you're going to go. That's that's what we're doing here. We're just just on a journey. I'm not All right, so that is the town of Gallipolis, Ohio. Uh Gallipolis, but there's a lot of cool other stuff. It's a really old town. The bridge stuff kind of was where I went. Fascinated me. And that's all I have to say about that. Next up, the man who invented the baseball glove. That's a cool story, right? Well, he's got a lot of other crazy stuff. His name was Arthur Irwin. He's a pretty good baseball player. 
He popularized, popularized the baseball glove, the first man to ever wear a baseball glove in the field. Uh, he served as team captain, player manager, manager, scout, minor league owner. Uh, he was in baseball for 40 years. And these are some of the quotes by his contemporaries to describe him. No speedier or brainier fielder and batsman. So that's a nice quote about our dude Arthur Irwin. Uh, Roy Kerr described him as a skinny, bug-eyed Canadian with large, protruding ears and a healthy ego, an impeccable dresser, and fancied himself to be a savant in the art of scientific baseball. Small ball. Uh, then Daniel Levitt said, one of the slimier men in baseball. So that's tough. And then uh, White Hoyt said, probably the most disgusting man I've ever seen. So those are some tough quotes about Irwin, and there were some nice quotes as well. Uh, so let me find a picture of the first glove he wore. He he uh, broke his fingers, and he didn't want to have broken fingers anymore. Here it is. Oh, here it is. He broke his fingers. Oh, you son of a bitch. He didn't want to have broken fingers anymore. So he found a gloves for like a, a buggy, buggy gloves for like driving a buggy around. Um, where is it? Where's the article about the glove? Um, what the fuck? I had it. Well, we have a picture of it here. That's what it looked like. It was called the Irwin Glove, and where was it? Some cool stat, like, he wore the glove, and then the next couple games, a teammate wore, the, wore a glove similar, and then the next season, everyone wore the glove, which is kind of cool to invent, kind of change the game. It's kind of like when uh, the Blackhawks curved their sticks in hockey and then just crushed everyone, and we're like, wait, hold up. That may be a game changer. So he used, uh, he obtained an oversized buckskin driving glove, padded it with cotton, stuffed it with cotton, then sewed it shut, then sewed the third and fourth fingers together to allow space for the bandages. He used the glove even after his fingers healed. Uh, Jonathan Montgomery Ward of New York took the field with a similar glove. By the following season, almost every professional player was using the Irwin glove. Hope he patented it. Dude was an inventor. He also invented uh, the scoreboard for football. Kind of wild. So he invented the baseball glove, and then this is his patent for a football scoreboard. Uh, I think what he invented here was having the field on top and then moving the ball left or right. And then they started using this scoreboard at the polo grounds and all over. And he invented that. So the dude was just an inventor. What a guy. He also invented some other shit. I forget what it was. Um, oh, he invented, um, he didn't invent, he created a soccer league. And all the teams had the same names as the baseball team in the same town. And some of the managers of the baseball team also managed the soccer teams. And they would do promotions saying like, your favorite baseball player is actually going to play soccer for the club this week. And then people would show up and then they wouldn't play. So Arthur Irvin got around. 
Uh, in more ways than one. When he died, they found out he had two families. Which is crazy. Um, during the investigation, so he had he got sick. He lost 60 pounds in two weeks. He had cancer. Deathly ill. He apparently jumped off of a train and committed suicide. Sad, sad stuff. After he died, two widows emerged saying that they were his wife. One lived in Boston. One lived in New York. His first wife uh, lived in Boston. They had three children together, including his son, who was 37 at the time. So, like, grown children. His second wife was in Philadelphia, and they had a 24-year-old son together. And these two wives knew nothing about each other. Fucking nuts, dude. How do you keep up with that? One of, one of them said that he just never straight, he just straight up never visited. Irwin sold his rights from his scoreboard business for two grand. He sent 1500 to May, the second wife in Philly, and only 500 to his first wife, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, his first wife, who had three kids with, was surprised at the gesture because he never visited her anymore or provided financial support. Well, he only gave her 500 of the two grand. And then it says that one of his sons from the first marriage knew that he had an unknown brother. But maybe he didn't know that his dad was married to another one. Maybe he just thought he had another kid out of wedlock or something. Then they put him in the Hall of Fame in 1989. Crazy. I mean, I didn't even look at his stats. There's just so much going on in this, this dude's story. Let's look at his stats, I guess. Uh, what the fuck? What's WOR team? He played for WOR. The Worcester Ruby Lakes. What the hell is that? How, how in the National League, the Worcester Ruby Lakes? Never heard of you. Never heard of you. Um, in 1894, he was 36 years old. He hadn't played since 1891. So... You know, two full seasons off. And then he was the manager of Philadelphia, and he just started himself. Or he just played himself. It's like, fuck it. I need to get in there, show these guys what's up. Probably probably wanted to show them what laying a bunt is really about. You know, those guys weren't into scientific baseball, and we know our dude Philip Irwin was huge in the scientific baseball realm. Nickname was Doc or Sandy. Oh, brother of John Irwin. That's another funny story. So John Irwin, I guess, sucked. But he, but Arthur Irwin was pissed off at his team saying they all suck. So he just played his brother for like 18 games. And then he was so bad that they were like, all right, you're out. Worcester, not Worcester. Worcester. Okay. Worcester Ruby Legs. Mass and their dumb pronunciations. Well, if I, if I get too hard... Town names, not phonetic town names. I'm just going to get one. And I already nailed. What was the name today? It's uh, Gallipolis. Fuck. I already, already lost it. Anyway, Arthur Irwin invented the baseball glove, had multiple families, um, was a scientific manager. Some say he was the slimiest man in all of baseball. Others say he was a genius. Crazy guy. Oh, I got booted off the the Bluetooth. That's all I have to say about that. All right, yeah, I saw some people were excited about this. 
uh, when you saw the YouTube chat. Taurus Choice. It's Monday. Mondays are the hardest day to prep for because Sunday nights are long. So I got the three books that we usually do. Whenever we just need a quick poem, we got Black Diamonds by Joseph Francis Murphy. We got Short Signs by Kuzer, and we got Bukowski. Uh, I'll look at probably the YouTube chat because they're the most active. And uh, you tell me which one you want to do, and then we'll do uh, a random page number. And that'll be that'll be the end of the show. Moving on to the book section. I don't know why the Bluetooth failed on me. Bummer. Uh, and there's like a 10-second delay. Okay, hold up. Hold up. Let's see. Blaine Williams suggested Coozer first. Not Mr. Moon said Black Diamonds. Page 22, regardless of the book. Sure Signs. So Coozer and Sure Signs got two early votes. I think the first person to get two votes was Coozer. But now Bukowski's coming in. Are you expecting us to not pick Coozer, says Osborne? But then you picked Bukowski. I want the book about hair, you said last night. Oh, that's a really cool book. Why don't I just save that? Um, I'll save that for another day. Because that tidbit I shared on the Patreon, at the end of Patreon, Talking Yanks, is uh, a really good tidbit. I'm going to put this book on the list. Thank you, Jill, for the memory, the reminder. I'm going to... I'm going to put that one that you're suggesting on the list for tomorrow so I don't forget if Google Sheets will comply with me. And then I can tell that same story to anyone who's not a patron member who might have missed it. All right. It looks like Sure Signs was the early winner. We've done 22 in Coozer. Okay. We, we'll, do, we'll do Sure Signs. That seems to be – there was a lot. It was spread out. But here we go. What page? We've done 22. Uh, page 4,242,672. I don't know about that. Um, not me moon is special. Not Mr. Moon. All right. 78. I'll do 78. Is there even 78 pages in this book? There are. There are. There are. There are. There are. There are. Should be done with this one soon. Then I go order the next Coozer. Um, we already did 78 for Coozer. 56. It was about the anchor in Nebraska. Remember that one? Moles. Okay. Moles. Interesting. Moles. Coozer. I always, I you know, I always think there's someone that tunes into this show for the first time and are just blown away that I'm about to read a poem at the end. Kind of, kind of makes me laugh. I feel bad for them. They're probably blindsided. They're like, what? What's he doing? The young of the mole are born in the skull of a mayor. They learn football and rain. In the season of falling pine cones, they gather in churches of ribs, whining and puking. When one of the old moles dies, the young push him out of his tunnel and set him afloat on the light. This is the way we find them, out in the garden, their little oars pulled up and drying. Just talking about the actual animal? What is born in the skull of a mayor? 
Oh, because like mayors are buried. Like they like mayors. Okay, I think he's just talking about a bunch of things that are under like the ground, born in the skull of a mayor. So maybe you know a mole is down in the cemetery being born. They learn football that's played on top of the grass, and rain that falls on top of the grass and goes underneath. In the season of falling pine cones, they gather in churches of ribs. Ugh, he's talking about moles being in cemeteries and stuff and, like, being in humans' bodies, whining and puking. Is that what he's talking about? When one of the old moles dies, they, the young push him out of his tunnel and set him afloat on the light. So, like, they push him to the sky. Is that what happens with dead moles? They go above the earth to the light. This is the way we find them out in the garden. So when you find a dead mole, their little oars pulled up and drying. Damn. A lot of death, Coos. I think, I think that's what we're talking about there. Like a mole rat? If I just Google image moles. Oh, man. Ew. Ew, I've never, like, Googled, like, the mole. Gross. Whoa, what the fuck? Have you Googled dead mole? They just have pictures of them on a line. Like, hanging dry. I think he's talking about, like, this image. A lot of death, huh? Hakus? A lot of death for us. What are you doing? Oh, man, that's big. I think he's talking about this when he says, uh, uh, when he says, what, what page was this? When he says, this is the way we find them out in the garden. Their little, their little oars pulled up and dying. Ugh. Moles. Kuz, what you doing, bro? Blah. Just moles just crawling around dead people in their rib cages and the mayor's skull being underneath the earth. Ugh. Well, that was Ted Kuzer, moles. And that's the morning show. What, what a fucking weird show this is. So to recap today, we did have Monsters and Men. We did a fatal bridge crash in Ohio. We did Arthur Irwin. He invented the baseball glove, had two families. And then we did Ted Kuzer writing about uh, moles and their lives and what they experience under the ground. That's the morning show. Thanks for tuning in. Ah, it's a little louder than I wanted to be. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. See you tomorrow. No idea what we're talking about tomorrow. And I think that's the beauty of the show. See you guys. And some days I can't even dress myself It's killing me to see you this way Cause though the truth may vary this ship will carry on